0: So today's staff is Members and we are in the middle of talking about the red string. And um, the, today, oh, thank you so much. This is from you. Thank you. Wonderful. And, um, and, um, and, and um, while today's talk is really not going to deal with the Avoda, we're going to really be focusing on the red string and other things that are related with, with the red string. I always feel it's important to, to periodically just review where we're up to in the Avoda. And now we've got some nice new markers. Okay, So here we are going to do step number one, is his, his cow. Right, which is in the phone here. Whoops! The head is I yes. know okay, I just got it. <coughs> step set right. great, The head is faced this way. The body is this way. Coin goes stands here. That's so the doy That's step number one. Okay, Z-doi, a row, Okay, step number two. He walks over here. Here are the two goats. Look at that. Okay, and he goes to go rumble.
1: I don't know. Let's, let's do the gorilos or something. You get the idea. Okay.
0: Anyway, I know that. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> been done That's step number two. I don't know. According to the earlier tomorrow, maybe it could. Have. Maybe they're different. She told about where the phone is. Okay? But you wanted this because you didn't want to running around, but mm-hmm. it's not clear. Anyway, you have the gorilos. Okay? You have them do, do the selecting, selecting of the, of the gorilos. Then, step number three is, right, he does... He's still over here, and he does the red string. Okay. Okay. He does it, or someone else? Well, that's a good question. I mean, the language is kashar. I think. Yeah, because remember, but him? I doubt I doubt he has to do it. there's no discussion is there a hint okay. in the Torah about the red,
1: no, the red string no the red string is not in the Torah anyway no. there's a
0: red string in the Torah by other things like the no. paraduma or no. whatever is born. He's that, yeah but not <laughs> so that is you know for and us it's, it's, I know for, but so there is but that
1: for masking, it's very I know it's a and very
0: and like symbolic thing yeah. but it's not <laughs> it's not in the Torah really okay. okay so anyway okay so he does <laughs> the red string he does the red string now according to the Gemara right according to the Mishnah. Uh, he puts the red string Oh, we could use red for that <laughs> <laughs> he, puts, he puts the red string on the one lazazel and then the one lazazel gets put where by the, gets sent to where it's going out okay, we'll discuss where that is but that gets put to, you know by the gate where it's going to go from where it's going to leave gate out, it goes to the gate out and then there was an ambiguous line in the Mishnah and, ye, and uh, it sounded like the simple readers he took the one that's La Hashem and he just gets it ready to be sectioned, put it wherever it's going to be sectioned. but the Gemara and this does not as far as I know is not echoed in, in any of the uh, like liturgy in any of the other you know recappings of the Avodah but at least according to the Gemara he puts a red string around around the neck of the one that's going to be tested. Um Okay, so that's where we, that was step number three, was the red string, and then he walks back here, and we get to step number four, which is vidui par number two, paro number two, and this is for all of the kohanim. Okay, that's where we are in terms of the in terms of the mishnah. Now we have been talking about the red string, so in addition to saying that it went around the neck of the, um, of the, uh, one that was beset, we are comparing it to other red strings, uh, ones that are actually in the Torah. And the first comparison was to the red string of the para aduma. And the Gemara has a discussion, one of them has a minimum, the other does not have a minimum. The reason for having a minimum for this is because you need to then cut the string in two later, part remains between the horns and the other part that you keep while the animal goes over the cliff, so you can see if it turns white, so that's a minimum length but the red string that actually is in the Torah together with the azo and the eighth Erez the Hyssop and the uh, feeder that gets put into the burning of the Paraduma there, it needs a minimum because, not of length, but of weight because it says, the Shlief, you cast it so, you know, it has to sort of, when you cast something in, it has to like Fall down, you know, in sort of like an immediate way, not float down. You would say you cast it in if then it's like floated down like this. So that's the issue whether that's really true. It does have to be a minimum weight to ensure that it sort of like drops immediately um, when you throw it in. So there's that debate about about whether COVID, and we'll pick up with that. So the Gemara, let's take a look now. Now, if I'm um, on the bottom. Um, um, it says like this Amalei Rava I'll just leave that five, li- five lines from the line where the lines are wide Amalei Rava so Rava said Kovet there's actually a debate whether there there, there needs to be weight, you know a certain weight in the string for the Paraduma to make sure that it does not float down but that it goes down you know quickly <clears throat> okay now the verse says like this um, lo Lobai Chaluka and and the Paraduma does not need to be split it only needs the weight. Okay. Whereas the par of for the ear the needs to be split by the paraduma, the only issue is um, is the what do you call it? Is the um, um, oh, I'm sorry. That's actually the question. Is the paralo <coughs> it? Guys, that's true. That the paraduma does not need to be split. a abai. So, by asking this. Okay, because we said that the one for the goat had to be split, but the paraduma, we're saying it's only about the weight. Is that really true? It's asked to buy osa? What would he do? This is by a missioner by paraduma. Um, you wrap the Erez and the Ezov with the red string, but the language here is with the remnant of the red string. So that seems to indicate that even the red string for paraduma had to be cut into two, and therefore would need some minimum says, is shown. no, it doesn't mean a remnant as if you cut it in two. It means like a frayed part of it. Like in a he sort of talks about like, you know, you fray something at the bottom with like a comb and it's like, is, you know, sort of like it's frayed at the bottom. So that's the way of saying shiare remnant, not literally remnant, but it looks like a remnant. Because it's like know, a frayed I piece.
1: With the part. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Um, okay. Amorebi Khanin Amarab. H as <laughs> she calls a shall have it Now, when you let's say you threw it into the into the conflagration here, but they were not actually um, they didn't actually fall in. You know they were in, they were over the fire and they got burnt over the fire. Okay, so I threw my red string in, I threw my up in, but rather than falling into the fire when it was over the fire, it already got burnt by the fire. Is that good? Is that you know? Is that make it? And and is it now good in terms of the ashes of the paraduma? Did I do the ritual correctly? So it was so so he says have um, it. if the flame burns them even without falling into the fire it's kasher I'll ask you on this you have a bright that says if the string gets charred you need to bring another string and m- m- sanctify because the whole process of making the ashes of the paraduma is called kiddush so Makayesh means by bringing the other string and throwing it in, that will be part of the, you know, making of the ashes of the Paraduma. So you, the, the string being charred is not enough, it has to fall into the fire. Mm-hmm. So Amar Lokash, it's not difficult. Kandu Kolachas What type of a fire is it? Is it a fire that has like, you know, um, rising flames? Or is it a low fire? If it's a fire that has very high flames, and it, so it's very high over the fire, and it gets charred that way, you're not Yotse, because the, the language in the Torah is, el toch srifat into the very burning, into the conflagration. But if it has low flames, right, and, it's, and it gets burnt, and so that means it's very close to actually the wood, or whatever, or the, you know, the, the actual sor- source of the root of the flame. So that's considered el toch. So the point here is, being burnt by the fire is not enough. It has to be el toch. So if it's high up and it's burnt by the fire, that's not enough. But if it's low down, it doesn't actually actually fall and hit the ground. It doesn't have to actually fall and hit the the, uh, physical stuff on the bottom. But it has to be near the bottom to be considered it's in the midst of the conflagration. All right, so that's where we are with that. Now back to the issue about the string, and it's, uh, is there a minimum amount? Um, Rava Omer, Rava, uh, okay, B'nich Rebbe, um, uh, so now, Rava Omer COVID Tanayi. Now, Rava said before that the issue of a minimum weight, where for the paraduma, for the string, was a debate of Tanayi. Um, D'Tainu, Itanu, B'Raisa, um, Lama Korchan, why does, why does he wrap the, uh, the other two things, the up and the cedar, with the string? Today, Shukulam B'aguda Achad. In order because it says, you know, they should all be a bunch. So it's, you know, um, it says you should take them. So take, take them as a unit. Okay, that's D.V. Rebbe, that's what Rebbe says. The blood of June Omer today shave and COVID. No, there's not a sort of conceptual idea of do it as a unit, but you, there's an idea of a practical issue of they have to fall into the fire. So if you wrap them all together, then they have, you know, density and weight and, it'll, and all of them will fall into the fire rather than float in. Well, the wood so, is never
1: going to float in anyway, because right, it would.
0: Right, okay, so, but that, that really? helps the other things. So there. So what you see is, according to Ables Reb Shimon, there's an importance that they have some real weight to them. Um, okay, the talk They will fall like more directly into the fire. Now, when Reb Dini came, from Eretz Yisrael. He said in the name of Reb Yochanan, was shown I've heard about three, um, you know, strands of red. It's all so funny, because you know, it's like, as you say, no, it's like, I heard three virgins, right? But no, I, I heard about three, meaning about a teaching about the three different red strings. Achas Shopara, one of the paraduma, which is in the Torah, we've been talking about. Ahas Shopar, the one of the goats that's sent away, which is, notice that, again, we're completely ignoring the red string for the goat that's going to be Lashem. Okay, the one that found the goat that's going to be sent away, which is not in the Torah, but is a very important part of the ritual. Um, at least for us the achas show Mitzorah and one of the Mitzorah because by the Mitzorah as well it talks about taking a um, you know a red string and a hyssop and using that in the process of purifying the Mitzorah so and now what is their difference in terms of, <coughs> of minimums? Achas Mishko Asarazuz one has to weigh ten Zuz which is a lot the Akos mishko shnei Slaim, One only has to weigh, t- weigh two Slaim, which is less. The Akos mishko shekel, and one only has to weigh a shekel. So again, it's different. It's different types of coins: zeus, sela, and shekel. So, but the, but it's easy to remember because the numbers <coughs> ten, two, and one are also is the, a range of the, you know is this is in order of the different weights. Okay, the ain li and I can't explain which is which. Meaning, I don't have a good explanation which you know which has to be the, the weightiest, which has to be which it's okay to be lighter. I can't fi- I can't figure it out. He also Ravin. Now, when Ravin came from Eretz Yisrael, Pirisha, which made Reb So he now had uh, an explanation in the name of Reb Yonassan. Maybe Reb Yonassan heard this from Reb Yochanan in Eretz Yisrael. So now we have another another visitor from Eretz Yisrael, and he's going to explain this earlier teaching. Top of Mem Amr the paraduma has to be the weightiest tensors for the reason we saw yeah, but no, but it has, let's just see because you have to throw it in it has to fall in you know so again maybe he felt that it was not in a bunch with the wood so it has to fall in on its own it's you didn't tie a string around it, around it or maybe it has to even if it is in a bunch maybe it has to have independently the ability to fall in by itself okay so that has to be the weightiest the one of the goat has to be 2 of that's the medium amount. Why? Because that has to be enough in order to cut it into two. Now, of course, the funny thing is, is, is that it, it has nothing to do with weight. weight. Like, weight is an indirect way, assuming that we're talking about a, pretty, a standard type of a, you know, how thick, is the, how thick are the, is, the, uh, is the cloth. Assuming you're talking about, or how thick is the string, you know, assuming you're talking about a standard, wit, a standard string, then weight will be an indirect way of determining length but it is pretty funny, okay? But they see here is the middle amount because the, the issue there is about having long enough for two, you know, to divide it to two. Shekel, um, and is only Mitzorah can only be a Shekel because you don't need it, the idea of throwing in and you don't need to divide it into two. So, of course, I don't know why you need any minimum. Where do they get this idea of a Shekel from? I have no idea. Amar of This is a debate about Rav Shimon and the rabbis, about like, which is more, which is less. Okay, the para regarding the para duma chadomer mishkalasara. One type, like we said, it has to be the weightiest in order to fall right, right into the fire. The Kharamar No, there's no idea of COVID, like we said before. There's no idea of COVID and um, if there's no idea of COVID it could even be as light as possible okay now why exactly it could be even lighter than the mitzora is not clear because you have a right. heavy it's um, maybe but why why can't the mitzora be light are we talking well, about okay. the
1: quantity of thread that has the equivalent weight of that coin? Yes,
0: yes not how much it costs
1: no 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 but, but you if
0: you had to put it in a balance and you right. have you the coins as a counterweight. No 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 no, no 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 no, we're talking we're using coins to do as a way yeah. of saying how much it's it weighs weight. okay so he says you, you said that, right. that the that the 102 and 1 with para seir, and then the mitsora i says actually there's a debate some say the para is the heaviest uh, in that 102 and 1 the para is in the 10 slot but there's another opinion that the para is in the 1 slot it's the lightest again why it would be lighter than mitsora i don't know but if there's no need for a particular weight for the string the para is the lightest okay i know i yeah, know that's why i asked the question.
1: large thing. quantity like but no, it's but you could also think about, yarn.
0: but you could also think about like a cord, like you could think about rope. If the word was rope instead of string, but you're yeah, right, it's more, more like a, a rope.
1: rope. They had a to yeah, yeah, because it that had to be. It's
0: not, no, 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 it's, not dyed. Dyed. it's dyed. It's
1: dyed red. But it also okay. And I'm told that the is from
0: a non-kosher instant Okay, that well, that's another conversation. The simoncha, Now, the way to remember that the debate about the para is to the extremes. One says ten, and one says one. Nobody says para is the middle position of two. So here's a way to remember that they argue the extremes. Whether you do a lot or a little, as long as you, you know, a famous statement of Chazal. So it's saying one goes to the one extreme, the other goes to the, the other extreme, and hard. nobody takes the middle so okay. uh, Yeah, you don't. Okay. I'm only Difti Ravina. So from Difti, said to Ravina, which is now exactly what Michael said. So now you know there's a debate of ten or one, the biggest or the, or the least. But he says, I don't think that the debate was about the Paraduma the Sierra shaleach Okay, they debated the Sierra shaleach. Now, again, why would somebody say it had to be very heavy and the other person say very light? Again, no real explanation where those, um, you know, where those positions are coming from. Okay, um, you understand going what? Going off, what? Maybe, uh maybe so it does, doesn't blow off. Maybe so it doesn't break. Maybe that's a possibility. Let just, it, well, let me just read this. The Nach Barkisi. That day that they were that they had the debate about ten or one whether they were debating the paro or the seir, but they were debating these various weights of the string was the day that Ravi Barkisi passed away. The Anchubasimana as they placed a simon on this, um, you know, to remember, you know, to remember what the debate was about and to connect it to the passing of this tzaddik or this rabbi, Rav to the Rav Yehavarkisi atones like this. Hamish mishsaleach like atones. Now this actually is a really fascinating line. Meaning in the Gemara, you know, it's just like just like a mnemonic, like echad amar Echara amamit. So the way you remember that they were debating about the goat, rather than that they were debating about the paraduma, is because they were debating on the day he died. In the same way, the goat atones, death of tzaddikim atones, and so you can remember they were debating the goat. Okay, so according to the Gemara, it's just like a simple memory memory tool, but. Obviously, it presents us with like a very serious theological issue right here in the middle of discussing like different forms of atonement. And something that I think that we're not always prepared to acknowledge is that the idea, because of, you know, it has, because then the Christians, you know, picked up on this and made it central to their theology, Mm -hmm. but the idea that that the death of a righteous person can bring about atonement. You know, so obviously the Christian theology is all about, all about Jesus' death. Um but, you know, and the idea that's somewhat of a comparison to that as a type of a korban. Um and sort of seeing, so the, you know, there's more, it is true that you can explain it in, you know, more, uh, I would say, I guess, practical terms. When a righteous person dies, it causes everybody to reflect, it causes a, you know, it leads to a process of tshuva, but it's, it seems to be more than that, right? Right, it's, but it seems more than that, right? Something is cast away from the community, right? It's not put on an altar up to God, but somehow the fact of that we, you know, that loss and that, you know, and that well, I don't, you know, is, you know, is, the loss of that life um, from us brings about some type, brings about some atonement, and it is interesting that it's also we don't, we have a hard, very hard time relating to the Shaleah. Right. I mean, we love the ritual. We love the idea that we're atoned for on Yom Kippur and the red string and all of that. I mean, some people are bothers, you know, that the goat is it's, it's broken into pieces. Okay, but even bracketing that, but theologically, right? We I think we can understand korbanot. You know, again, whether aesthetically we can, you know, but we can understand it. You know, you bring something, you know, <laughs> that represents life, that represents something, you know, of your of your of your own effort, but it also represents life. You put it on the altar. The smoke rises up to God. It's Like the giving of a life to God we understand the power of the ritual of korbanot but the seal azazel is like very strange right why is that causing atonement I mean it is that sense of throwing it away scapegoat blame it on somebody else and who's the azazel the demon, what's the other zel? So again, we'll talk about that more later. But it is, I just want to point out that it's fascinating that these two ideas, which I think we don't tend to talk about so much theologically, are here being linked. That the ira azazel, you know, brings about atonement, and the death of the tzaddik brings, brings about atonement. And thinking about that as some type of a symbolic, something of, you know, you know it's also ironic. The seir has all the sins. The tzaddik presumably has all the merit. You know, but somehow both of their deaths You know, somehow it somehow brings about some some metaphysical atonement. So, what do you want to say?
1: Two two things. One, I mean, just quickly, I just think that's much too rational an explanation for Corbin Mellon. I think they're all vicarious. In other words, instead of me on the altar, it's the animal on the altar. uh-huh And it's uh, like, like the Akita, the
0: paradigm. So that's the Christians like that also. Right? Well, okay. There's a long I,
1: conversation there, which is really... Well,
0: I was I was alluding, I, t- I agree with that. I was alluding to that with the idea of representing life. But yes, it's also part of that life could be representing your life. Right. I completely agree with so, that. So, um,
1: but I just want to ask again on language... Is the word "chut" as in "chuta shani," the biblical word? Yes. Lashon chachamim is called a lashon. Now yes, but
0: I think lashon uh, its a,
1: it, it's so a, a thread. G- but
0: I think lashon—lashon lashon generically is thread. But I also think very often in—it's in right. The, right the, it specifically means <coughs> the red—the uh, red string. Right. right. As
1: opposed to a woven piece of cloth yes. or a swath of yes, yes, yes. So lashon is a thread, a string. Correct. Both though. Right. Yeah. I think before I said cloth, I didn't mean that. It's a string. Well, it's, it's like a the way they transmit that. Usually, they show nosegear is like bolts. um yes, the way I think.
0: Maybe, it. maybe, but I think in most cases it means it means a string.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So that no, what? I would yeah. Imagine it as, a, as, a
1: as a piece of cloth? Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah. No. I, it's, okay. All right. So. Um, um, I mean, right? The Torah doesn't say what the, what the material is. The Torah says eight thousand days they shni tolat, like shni you know, is a... Color, yeah, uh, shni, color. yeah. The and the tolat is of the worm that that's produced. That's what uh, yeah. their, uh, right? Charlie was saying, well, you know. So it doesn't tell you what is dyed red.
1: Right, but
0: yes, Yeah. Yes. So does the Gemara have it elsewhere and then compared to something else? Or is it just, just always compared to the Yil HaMish No, often the Gemara just says it by itself. Okay, all right, so now let's take a look. It says, um, okay. Job, I thought you were going to explain to me your laws also. All right, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so the Gemara says like this. Amar Stay Shchitos, Shemati. Now we get back to Avodah Yom Kippur. We were talking about three strings, now we're talking about two shechitas. Ahas Shapara the Ahas um, One of the Paras, the Paras of the Paraduma, and one of his par on Yom Kippur, the one we've been talking about that he does the Vidoyan. And here is, the same way we're talking about the different weights of strings, we're going to talk about different hal- a, a contrasting halacha, and there were debates about which weight to assign to which. We're going to talk about a difference between the shechita of his par and the paraduma, but there's going to be a debate which is which. Ahaz k'shera b'shar, one of these, either the paraduma or, the, or Aaron's par of Yom Kippur, can be shechted by a non-kohen. The Ahaz t'sula and one cannot be shechted by a non-kohen. The I don't know which is which so so what how can you not know right what's, which one is obvious to you Charlie um,
1: obviously if something that's done in the azara uh, would be the one well first of
0: all Yisrael is muster into the azara when he needs to go in done, there,
1: but it's
0: by Kwan God Yom Kippur ah right? so yeah, exactly. that, but even though normally doesn't everything have to be done by the Kwan Gadol Yom Kippur but we just place. discussed excuse me we just discussed Something that might not have to be done by the Kohen which yeah, What was, might not have to be done? The, for, the well, grade. that, but also drawing of the lot, That wasn't clear. But drawing of the lots, right? So that okay. might be by, okay. by the Skan or might be by the left hand. So there are Wait, things okay. that are done on Yom Kippur that are not considered to be an avoda. That might not require a coin Gadol. And that becomes the question of shrita, which is normally kosher bizarre, right? Does it require a coin Gadol on Yom Kippur? How much is it? All right, all right. Let's say, how much is it an avoda and, um, for this purpose? So let's take a look. So itma, now we're going to figure it out. Shrita para u para. The paraduma and the power of the coin guddle. debate of Ravishmu. Charama para psua, and means with a bayazar. One says, the paraduma para is puzzled by a czar, parok shayrah, and the cow of Koen is kasher. The chara, and the other, says, get, guess it the opposite. paroksura, the cow of the coin Gadol is puzzled parok shayrah. Okay, now who says which? So let's, let's help out here and assign some names. Tisayim, let's conclude, the rav huda amar parapsura, that rab is the one that says that the paraduma is puzzled by a czar, and would say that, the, uh, that by Yom Kippur, somewhat unexpectedly yes it's not a an vote and it can be done by a non-cohen the Amar because Zaira says, what para says that's the shaking of the paraduma by a non-cohen is possible so that's exactly that position how do we know that's Rav's position the Amar Rav Allah and Rav commented on it shen- shaninuba. you know why the shechting of the paraduma is puzzled by Anan Ka'wain, because the complete, in the paraduma, you know, in, in Chukas, where it talks about the paraduma, it's constantly saying, but then it also says, how does the parsha open? So remember I told you before, that the way you know whether something is ma'ake, in these types of, you know, is absolutely necessary in these types of things, is either because it's repeated, or because of the word chuk. So he says the combination of the word Chok plus Elazar equals you need a Kohen. Okay? So since Rav is, Rav is explaining this and seems to be affirming it, he seems to be affirming it. So Rav is the one that says that Para Aduma needs a Kohen because of the language of Chok and the emphasis of Elazar. Okay, now we're going to ask, but what about the one on, on Yom Kippur? For Rav. Now according to Rav, my Shnav, um, para, receive elazar v'chuka, by the para duma, it says elazar in the language of chok, zod chukasa paronami, by his par banyon kipper, haksiv aaron v'chuka, so it's quite actually interesting. Again, right? The I same way. The, the same mm-hmm. way. You know, we sort of when it applies with Road, it's not about personalities, but in the Torah, Paradum is all about Elazar, and the Yom Kippur is all about Aaron. Yavo Aaron, 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 Aaron. But it's the same logic. Aaron plus the language of Chok. Right? What's the language? By Sazos lachem olam. It says at the end of the the avod of Yom Kippur. So that combination should mean you need a kohen Okay. So and not only that, you need kohen gado, right? Like we normally say, you need kohen by everything by yom kippur. So the gemara says, no, Shrita lava vodehi. No, yes, you need a kohen gado for everything by things that are the avoda. But Shita is not an avoda. The same way we had that debate about the drawing of the lot. Okay, whether that was whether that was uh, not the debate. That was that we said the drawing of the lot is not an avoda and in theory could be done even by a non kohen so why is shita not an Avoda? So this actually, Toshas brings down two expl- interesting explanations. <coughs> Rashi's explanation is... Well, more like the, the proof that it's not an avoda is that we know that shkita can normally do, be done by a non-kohen. And anything, it's not so circular. I mean, us also a little bit argues it's circular. But it's not so circular, meaning we work with the assumption, it's evidence, it's not definitional, but it's evidence, meaning we work with the assumption that anything that can be done, that, that anything that's an avoda must be done by a kohen. So if we find something <coughs> that is a general rule, meaning forget Yom Kippur, as a general rule, we know elsewhere that Korbanot, because remember we did that whole thing on the board, where it says vishachat and then it says b'nei Aaron b'nei Aaron b'nei Aaron by the whole opening part of yikra it, the khanim are only introduced after the shikita so the fact that you don't need kohanim as a general rule for shkita is evidence that it's not an avoda. An avoda would require kohanim, and once it's not an avoda, then even on Yom it doesn't have to be the coin gadol. The same way the drawing of the lash doesn't have to be the coin gadol. That's how Rashi explains why shkita is not an avoda. Tosos has another interesting explanation that I think you'll appreciate. Tosos quotes uh, has an explanation that it's not an avoda because. It is a something that is required, and even outside of the Beit Hamikdash. Meaning, so it's not a Beit Hamikdash <coughs> ritual. Shrita, like Malika would be a vote, and Malika requires a coin, right, the, with the bird with the neck. That's a unique base omniktash ritual. But shrita, we do by any animal that we want, whether we want to eat it, you want to bring it as a korban, whatever you want to do to it, shrita, right, by the egg rufa breaking of the, well, that's not a vote that's out of the base omniktash. So the, sort of the universal aspect of shrita, Defines it that even when it takes place in the mikdash, it's not an avoda. What's an avoda? Cashing the blood, moving <coughs> the blood, throwing the blood. N- all all of those are unique to the base hamikdash. An so, par, okay. okay. Oh, on? so that's the question. Once you, once you're saying that, that the shkita in the base hamikdash on Yom Kippur can be done by a non kohen, so why by the paraduma don't you say the same thing? So we'll talk about that. That's what we're going. Yes. So by that argument in the midbar. Uh think it would have had to yeah, think about it. No. I don't think so. Because <laughs> I think whatever what that's that's, the, that's, Yeah, but that was just at that time period. It doesn't speak about its basic function. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Um, ask now ask Michael's question. Ihaki Paranami. If that's true, that's yes. Everything requires a coin goddamn by Yom Kippur. Everything requires a coin by Paraduma. But we're going to exclude Shita, which isn't an avoda. So exclude it by the Paraduma as well. No. Shani parad karchei bet see. Paraduma is different. Paraduma is not really a korban. It's sanctified, but it's sanctified like you would sanctify a beam of wood. It's sanctified for use in the mikdash, but not as an intrinsic dusha to be used at, to be a korban. Meaning, it's sanctified, but it's a non-korban. Yes. But then, the, but therefore, what? So the gemara says, "For yes. Isn't it like a kavachomer or shekain? Because if a korban does, isn't an avoda and doesn't need a kohen, doesn't need a kohen, doesn't need a kohen, need a kohen certainly. so certainly something that it's isn't it's even a korban. Not. So the Gemara says, No, it's, think about uh, the idea of looking at a nega, a, a spot of sarat, the lava He, that's not an avoda, right? The kohen goes and he inspects the guy wherever he is, it's not an avoda, but you still need a kohen. So what he's saying is like this. It's a very interesting point. He's saying there are some things that require a cohang, meaning it's, you know, what is this? Uh, it, it's like, this is one of the things about prepositional logic. Just because, to use Rashi's argument, just because everything that is an avoda requires a kohen doesn't mean that everything that requires a kohen is an avoda. So he says, the fact that it's done out of the mikdash means it's not an avoda. The whole process is an avoda. And we have things that the whole thing isn't an avoda and requires a kohen, like Maris nagain So once the Torah is telling me that this non-avoda requires a Kohen, I'm not going to say Shrita is any different than any other part of the process. The whole thing is an avoda and it requires a Kohen. So in the Mikdash, where the focus is avoda. And if you need a Kohen or a Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, then it's only for the Avoda part. And Shrita could be even with a czar, let alone a non-Kohen Gadol. But outside of the Mikdash, it's not about Avoda at all. So if you're gonna require a coin for part of it, you're gonna require a coin for all of but it. Does anyone say no okay. need a coin? What can I say? Uh, that? You could in theory. You could say no that thing? neither do. Right. Okay, but this is the position. Now that's Rav. That's why Rav says no by the coin gazo, yes by the paraduma. Um, okay um now we're going to deal with shmuel shmuel says that yeah. the opposite the koin gadol requires uh, uh, requi- uh, the the kippur needs a koin gadol. a czar is invalid but the paraduma um does not paros. So we get why on yom kippur it needs to be a koin it needs to be a non-zar it actually needs to be the koin gadol to receive aaron like we've been saying it says aaron O'Koen and it says chok and therefore, you need a coin gado for everything, even for yeah. the shkita. Okay. Um. Um. So para. So paranami. So by the paraduma, it speaks about elozar hakara, and it says chukah haTorah. So again, I get why you need it on your paper. Why don't you need it by the paraduma? So the gemara says, "Shani asim to b'shachat ota lispanav." Right, The same way, it's quite fascinating, the same way we know that Shita bizar is kasher. If you read the Pesukim closely, remember those opening Pesukim of Vayikra, right? it says you bring your korban, you shecht it, and then the Bnei Aaron catch the blood right, and take the blood. So it's very clearly, the, the Torah is really saying the shechita is done by the owner of the korban, by a non cohen So what he's saying is, if you read the Torah closely, it's saying the same thing by the Paraduma. It says it will be slaughtered in Elazar's presence. Somebody will shecht this l'fanav. So anybody, generic, anybody could shecht it in his presence. It doesn't have to be a kohen. That's why. Okay. So sheheizar shoches the roeh a non toweh and could be seen. So the Pesuk can make it clear that that could be done by a non The rav. Now, how would rav explain the ota l'fanav? Shaloya yasiach ta atomi mena. It doesn't mean another person is shechting it in his presence. It means he, a wazar, or the koan, shechs it in his presence. Now, how do you check something not in your presence? So, <laughs> checking it in your presence means in your existential presence that you have to be paying attention and you have to be, you know, you have to be present. Is everybody here? Is everybody present here? You know, so kind of postmodern, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it means. And Lozher checks it, but he has to be present. You know, um, it, you know, it's psychologically present. Um, okay, so that's what it means the Shmuel Taito Minale, and the adagma is assuming that everybody holds with this criteria. So where does shmuel know that the coin, that the coin cannot distract himself, since it says somebody else oh, is checking yeah. it? So, the <laughs> sarav You burn it into his eyes. So again, means in his, you know, he is supervising, in his presence, so he has to be, he has to be paying attention. for so rav, what would rav say? No, the Torah has to tell you twice. That at the Shrita you have to be it's all done by the Kohen but it has to emphasize both at the Shita and at the Shreifa that you have to be fully present and not being distracted you need to tell me both places Rivadah just said by the Shrita you can't be distracted that's the most important that's the beginning of the process so you know to to, 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 to to, that gives identity to the whole process. So there you really can't be distracted. I will shreifa, but once the whole thing is going on, you know, is on the right track, aim alone. Maybe you don't have to be fully present at the time of Srefa. You can be distracted. Shreifa, so it had to tell me even there you need it said you need it just at the burning. Maybe that's the most important time because that is when it becomes ashes. That's when the thing actually becomes, you know, the end result of a shita, But the shmita, which is only what we would call like a hechsher mitzvah, get you know, a part of the process. Aim alone. Maybe you don't have to be paying it so much close attention. Sricha needs to tell you both. Okay so well, now, no, now you,
1: think? you should always pay attention I know
0: but sure. the question is, is being distracted you invalid you should always pay yeah. attention right? <laughs> right. no was a good one okay said, you should always pay attention I said what did you say
1: okay I missed that also um, I, 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 you
0: should have said what you say okay. I wasn't paying attention okay anyway uh, <laughs> Okay. so I, I just want to take a moment to stop and tell us where we are remind us where we are so so you know, as Michael pointed out, in theory you could have four possibilities. Right. You could argue paraduma, you could argue the par of, of yom kippur. Interestingly, you know, there's like there's both positions say say that paroduma, that's one, that they're different, that the paraduma is different than paro, but they come out in different ways. So what's the argument? So again to remind us by yom kippur, both places it speaks either about Aaron and says chok or a lazer and says chok, and in general we assume that the paro, that yom kippur requires not just a coin but a coin gadol, and we assume that that the Paraduma requires a Kohen so we know that basic rule must be a Kohen or, must be a Kohain. what would be the argument to exclude Shrita? So by Yom Kippur the argument is that it's not an Avoda right? because elsewhere it's Kachar Bazar or because it occurs outside the Beit HaMikdash it's not an Avoda so that's excluded now the other position that says I don't care is interesting to think about that the say Shrita is an Avoda does he say things that aren't an avoda require a kohen? Would he say the drawing of the lots you can't have the skan involved? How do you have the kohen use his left hand? What's the difference between the drawing of the lots and the shechting? Now, obviously, for us it feels like there's a huge difference, and it raises an interesting question of could you say shechita is an is an avoda even though it's kosher bizarre. right? Why would somebody say the shechita requires a kohen gadol, yeah, you know, but say other things, let's say the drawing of the lots, you know, does not. So that's something to think about. But that's the issue about whether the, sh- uh, about why to exclude the shrika. Um, and when you come to the paraduma, that's not about being in a vote, as the Kamara says, that's outside the base of so why would you exclude the Shrita? So here, the only reason so far is not really a conceptual one, but based on the Pasuk. The Shekhat al-Talifanav, which has a close reading, will show you that it's not a logic in the Shrita. And then it really does, in a way, it does resonate with this idea of Shrita lava voda. Because, as I said, if you point, if, you know, close reading the Psuk, you make it clear that whether bringing the Korban, whether the Paraduma, somebody else is doing the Shrita. And that's the point that the Gemara's is making. Does not mean that you mean that he
1: can't, you saying it's chukka, exactly... No, because he does he anyone,
0: can't. anyone, you know, anyone presumably even himself? Okay, so now the Gemara sounds like this. Limutei mai. So the Gemara assumes, Tosa says, isn't exactly sure why the Gemara assumes it, but the Gemara assumes that we've mentioned this idea of you can't be distracted by the um, by the Shrita and the Shreifa. Somehow it suggests that there are other times where you're allowed to be distracted. So what are we excluding from this requirement of not being distracted? Maybe the other, you know, there are other, a lot of other parts of the, of the process. So maybe the gathering of the ashes and the filling of the water, with um, kiddush, um, you know, for the sake of then putting the ashes in. So maybe that doesn't require, you know, that would be kasher even if you were distracted. No. The mishmeret lemeni the verse says, to, for an observance. For the waters of nidahim means like sprinkling. In general, the word nidah is probably closest questions what it means. But most, you know, there's a pretty large consensus based on the other parallels that it comes to, it's like the word of zava and it means a flow. So it talks about a woman who has a flow, but it talks about ashes that are sprinkled or water that is sprinkled is the waters of sprinkling. May nida, because you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a like it's not a flowing as a flow, but it's still the movement of liquid. Um so, so it says that, so, for mishmeret. So this process at the end of the gathering of the ashes and of the water, all of that, you need to be watching. That's what the word mishmeret means. We're getting back to that. Here's the one thing you wouldn't, you would, it would be excluded from the need of a kohen. That the throwing of the stuff into uh, not the need, the need of paying attention, the, 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 the requirement not to be distracted would be the throwing of the stuff into the fire, not the of the para in the fire, but of the other stuff, the wood and, and the uh, and the red string, etc. So lav Gufa de para since it 's not something done on the para doom itself, everything else is done with the para, shafting it with the blood with burning it. It's ashes. All that stuff is about the paradum itself. That all requires this paying attention. But this uh, thing, which obviously is necessary, you could be if you were distracted and could still be kasher. What? Yeah, we to that, right? Yeah, that's what the Gemara is saying. Okay, so that was just something that would be ex- excluded from this requirement of paying attention. Now, itMA.: But also
1: sprinkling, right? Just Yeah, sprinkling?
0: no, that totally needs. So uh,
1: here's uh, the one action that the Talmud allows us to be mindless about.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I would say did he have it, yeah, but okay, itmar. Okay, it was taught. Srinkka's power of back to that. Okay, another, another version of this debate. The testing of the par, of the paraduma with the non kohen Ravami amakshere. Revyetz vnavka marpsula. Revami says it's says it's Um, so similar to the debate of Rab and Shmuel. Ula Now, Ula said it was kasher. Some have, some remember Ula having said that it was puzzle. Okay, so we're just lining up the different opinions of where, you know, as there's a long-standing debate here, who says what. Okay, now, Mazdi Bar Yashur bar Avalisi the Rab. So if Yeshua Barava brought the following challenge to Shmuel's position and to support Rav to show that everybody remember what Rav said? <coughs> Which one was Rav? Rav said that the Para Aduma is puzzle bazaar, okay? Like he was the one that said, Lava he that a coin you don't need a coin gadol on your Kippur for it, but it's puzzle, but para is you need you need a Kohen. So he's gonna try to prove that para does need a Kohen. Let's take a look. Ain liela, so this is a bright so the argue, the point of this brayta is to determine which parts of the process of para aduma must be done during the day. Okay, let me tell you the basic structure of the brayta. We're going to start with an assumption that a certain thing, the hazah, okay, the sprinkling itself, must be done during the day. And from the fact that the sprinkling must be done during the day, we'll we'll worry about why later. But that's our foundation assumption, that when you're done and you (coughs) sprinkle the water on somebody, that has to be in the day. Once that's true, we're going to say, can we therefore make a or somehow make a derivation and say, if that has to be done in the day, other parts of the process have to be done in the day as well. And here's how we're going to make it, make that argument. (coughs) This sprinkling... Um, can, um, so, so here, let's, so, uh, so let's take, let's read this, hold on. Where are we? Um uh, okay. So the sprinkling of the water, enksein bi'isha to bi'ish, cannot be done by a woman, we'll see why later, where they learn it out from. A lot of the part of this part of says, ish tahor, ish tahor, etc. And the Gemara understands that means man. The enksein elabi'o, and it has to be day. So that we know by the sprinkling the the the,. How do I know all the other parts of the process: shechting, getting the blood, sprinkling the blood, burning it, throwing in the stuff in the fire? How do I know all of that also can only be in the day? Tamud Lamar, Torah. So it says. Torah says, Torah. so Torah means it's inclusive. Sometimes, often Torah inclusive means we're more flexible. But here it means we're including everything in the same category. And if it's all in the same category, if one thing needs, a, needs to be day, everything needs to be day. Maybe I'll also demand for the, the daytime criteria for after it becomes ashes, gathering the ashes, filling the water, Kiddush is putting the ashes in the water. So maybe even that has to be in the day. Thomas lomar Zot. No, says Zot Kukata tera. Some things, Zot is a limiting word. So some things aren't in the category. So now the obvious question is going to be what's in the category and what's out of the you category. We're
1: saying? Totally the other thing the Torah is saying just like the other things mean the tensions, so to the yeah, so, so that's the question that why thing?
0: here we exclude certain things from the criteria and before we excluded other things Yeah, so tos is that Okay, more or less Okay, so now, What criteria did you use? Right, you have a, a, a word that's inclusive a word that's excluding which criteria did you use to say that they all have to be the same and which things don't have to be the same? So, so after the pasuk was sort of inclusive then it limited here's why we're going to, we're to put every, the things we put in the same category as the sprinkling but exclude the ashes part of it So, why? We learn out everything we said, all the other parts of the process from the sprinkling. Like we said, it has to be a man. And it requires day. We know those two criteria a criteria I'll also then include all the other parts of the process I mentioned shechting, the, capping the blood sprinkling the blood, burning it, throwing the stuff in the fire all of those I'm going to say are the same and require daytime, why? and here finally is the key argument because they have, we know one of the criteria already is similar Okay, so again, the assumption we're working with is that the sprinkling we know is, has to be a man, and has to be daytime, and where all the other parts of the process, we don't know daytime, but we, we do know is the requirement of man. So since it, it's already similar in that type of a higher, uh, you know, uh, of, of a higher requirement in the sense of like a narrower criteria, so we're going to say if it has that type of a similar criteria, we'll also have the criteria, criterion of daytime as opposed to the gathering of the ashes and the the water and the putting the ashes in the water, which can be done even by a woman, and therefore can also be done at nighttime. It doesn't have those additional criteria. So that tells determines what I include in the grouping and exclude. If I know they share one criteria, I'll assume they share the other, as opposed to these, which do not have that criteria. It's an
1: assumption. Really.
0: It's an assumption. So you got three okay. out of
1: four criteria, so you assume the last.
0: Well, one. yeah, but it was really one out of two. But okay, right. Okay. Umotzi So I will say. That those So all those part of the process. Since we know they have to be a man, we'll assume they also have to be in the daytime. But what I will exclude from the requirement of daytime. What I will exclude from the requirements of daytime is gathering of the ashes, the filling of the water, and the putting the ashes in the water. Why? Hold the be to be ish. Because since I know, again, elsewhere, we don't know how we know any of this stuff, but since I know elsewhere that that can be done by, by a man and a woman, or a woman, can also be done at day or at night. Okay? So... so putting the water into the vessel. And then you gather the ashes, you put the water in the vessel, then you put the ashes in the water. Okay? And, that, and the key is the putting the ashes in the water. Okay? So, so this, now, so, so this is the argument. That, again, the argument is, most of the process, except for the stuff that the act is at the very end of making the water into the water, that, you know, that doesn't have to be at the day, but all the other stuff is argued at the day. Why? Because we know elsewhere, and that we're going to figure out where is that elsewhere, that that has already an additional criteria that it has to be a man. So we'll assume it has the other additional criteria of day, just like those two criteria are found by the sprinkling of the water as opposed to the stuff with the ashes and the make and putting the ashes in the water, that doesn't have the first criteria. It doesn't have the second. Now, before we go on to see how this f- supports the argument that it has its puzzle bizarre, the basic argument will be the reason a woman is being excluded from all of this uh, is that not that she's a woman but that she's not a Cohen? Okay. that it's really not the excluding of a woman it's really a psula bazaar and that's going to be the support of the idea that paraduma is puzzle bizarre, that the shriks is puzzle bizarre. but before we do that I just want you to look at one rashi which you know because again what's clear about this is is that the psukim only got us so far they said some things are in the category, some are out, and the and the Gmar said, so let's figure out how to group them. So if you look at the Rashi that starts with about ten lines down in the narrow lines, Rashi says, the low ph And the Torah wasn't clear included clear what's in the category, what's out of the category. Um so et I just like that language. Now you see the Torah has only given them over, you know, to the to the rabbis to sort of, you know, p- like uh, uh, look into it, you know, and find out what is the true, what is the right, t- it's funny the word <laughs> <or>, uh, context <laughs> maybe it means right thinking, but use your rational logic, you know, and judgment to figure out how to group it, how to, how to categorize it. The opposite
1: okay. of dashto.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so let's take a look back in the Gemara. So now we're going to see the argument. This is all brought in to prove that Shita is, ha- is puzzle bizarre, has to be a koin. So the Gemara says like this, Baha'i might use Why was that a challenge to the one that says a shrita can be done by a non-kohen? I leymah mida na mi which is what it seems the argument was. If you say that, the, that, the reason that from the, by the same virtue that we're invalidating a woman we're invalidating a non-kohen meaning it's not about a woman. How do we know a woman's not good for this? It's really about her not being a kohen. That's your assumption and therefore it proves that shrita needs a kohen. No. I'll show you that that's not always true the sprinkling of the actual water of the paraduma, it will prove otherwise. Shipsulim to we're going, that, remember, was the paradigm, the one we started from. And that we are, again, all this is we know elsewhere, that the sprinkling of the water cannot be done by a woman, but the chavizar does not require Kohen. So the whole, the whole Gemara was using that as the paradigm. The same way, this it has to be day and man, the rest has to be day and man. But Gemara says, the, the sprinkling having to be man is not about having to be Kohen that can be done by a non-Kohen but we're going to see that it's going to require a man so maybe the same assumption is about the other parts of the process maybe the Shrita maybe not all the other parts but maybe at least the Shrita can be has to be a man but doesn't have to be a Kohen so the Gemara says no Amar this is why it was a question Isha my because where do you know to, what's the basis of excluding women we'll find out later why we know that the sprinkling of the water can be done by a non-Kohen but only by a man but we have in that that's the basis of. But how about the other parts of the process? The shefting and the burning and the blood. How do we know there? What would be the basis there to exclude a woman? The only basis to exclude a woman in that part of the process is because of the need for a Cohen. So, so, um, where is it? Heineke, you say. Isha my time. What would be the only basis for excluding a woman in the earlier parts of the process? Because Elazar veloisha requires Lazar and not a woman. So, Zaranami. So, the point is that so the only basis for excluding the woman would be the same basis for excluding a Kohen. A non Lazar Elazar velozar so a and not, and, not, and not a non and not a so in the end so that was a, a complicated proof but in the end it boiled down to the fact that we start with the assumption that the sprinkling of the waters has to be with a man and in the daytime and we're going to find out but can be a non-kohen okay and the Gemara then makes learns out the whole idea the bright of daytime to most other parts of the process except the part of ashes starting with the assumption and this is the point that all those parts cannot be done by a woman So, although the Gemara says we find one aspect of paraduma that has to be by a man but doesn't require a Kohen, by all that part of the process, the only basis in terms of the verse that you would have to exclude woman is by insisting on Elazar. And on that basis, if you're going to insist on Elazar and on that basis exclude woman from that part of the process, then you also have to exclude a non-Kohen. And that is the proof that it's a with a non-Kohen. Let's start a little bit, so that's the end of that discussion for now. Now we're going to talk actually about just reading the psukim and just looking at the different stages of the paraduma, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so let's just get a little bit started on this, okay? So the Gemara says like this. masma um, So the whole... Parashah, paraduma, the implication of the verses both imply sometimes when it is, it is an exception, motsi miyad makma, excepting from the way it sounds like. And sometimes it it sounds like exactly like it sounds like. So what he's basically saying is we're going to go through the psukim and a lot of this has to do with the question of do you require a Kohen or not a Kohen and we're going to see that based on the way the rabbis read it, sometimes things are read as an exception from the rule and sometimes things are read naturally. I want to say one word about the word mashma in this context of, of reading psukim. You know, mashma, normally, you, you just get in, the, you know, nor, like non related, just in normal discourse, Like right? It sounds like that you're saying this, you know, it's mashma this, it's, it implies a this. What? a logical argument. A logical argument, right. So... But when it's applied to psukim, it's actually important that it's a word like pshat and actually, you know, the simple sense of the psukim and in a way, actually, uh, more what we mean when we say pshat. We assume when we say pshat, it means the simple sense of the verse. Of course, who defines what simple means? So a good working explanation is what that verse would have meant to the people at that time. Right. Like how they would it's have understood it, Okay. That's what we assume the word pshat means. But actually, the word pshat, according to, in, in rabbinic literature, means the the the, the, stand, the, the 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 sort of canonical, the accepted rabbinic interpretation of the verse. Because when, think about the line that the Gemara says, pshuto kemashma'o. The pshat of this pasuk is what it sounds like. Of course the pshat is what it sounds like. So actually what that means is mashma'o, the word mashma, means what it sounds like with a simple sense of the verse. The pshat means the way the rabbis read the verse. Okay, so it's actually an important difference that the pshat is the... Standardized interpretation mashma really means the pshat of the verse. So he is saying that when you read these pesukim, some of the things are mashmao are within the simple sense, and some are mo'zi miyad mashma are uh, divert from the simple sense. Let's just read one or two pesukim, okay? The nasatem otsalelazar kohen. You should give it the paraduma to Elazar. Otsalelazar the darot Elazar. The paraduma for this generation has to be to Elazar, but in future generations doesn't require Elazar. Now, what does that mean? army, some say with to we go up in our criteria. That's new. We never heard of that before. The Paraduma requires a coin goddow. The Igod army and some say with coin That in future generations it requires any cohen. Okay? But it doesn't require a mo- somebody that's like Elazar because if it requires somebody like Elazar you might say it needs somebody who's not the coin goddle, not the top boss, but not your normal coin some got somebody in the middle, like a Sagan or something. No. With Doros it is not following the model of Elazar. So that would be Mozi Miyad Mashma'o, right? The so Mashma, if I asked you, what type of a cult, what do you need future generations for, for Paraduma? You would say, well, the Parazal always talking about a lozer, so probably somebody that's a little bit close to being like a coinado, right? That's probably what you would say. That would be Mashma'o. But no! It doesn't have to be like a l'azer. Now, that could go in two directions. Kohen Gadol or Kohen Hedyoth. So let's just see the, the reasons, and that's what we'll end with today. Bin Shreem el with for If you say future generations like we've been assuming is as a normal Kohen, that's good. Shapia, that makes sense. el with for coin Gadol. But if future generations require a Kohen Gadol, it, where do you get it from? Gomer, Chuka Chuka, bird. Which is from from what we've been talking about, it says chok by paraduma. It says, Chok by Yom Kippur. If Yom Kippur requires a Kohen gogel Paraduma requires a Kohen gogel And I think that's quite fascinating, and we'll end with this, because, you know, these two avodot, that the Torah spends, like, a lot of time talking about the process and are very much, like, communal concerns and these, you know, very, like, weighty rituals, is the avodah of Yom Kippur and the Paraduma. And both of them have personalities assigned to it, Aaron and Right, And the question is, how does that translate with Dorot? So, what this position is saying is actually, Luzzo wrote, the Aluga position translates just like the Arun position into demanding a coin goggle for both. Okay, but our assumption has been not that way. Our assumption is that's a coin goggle. The other one, the Paraduma, becomes a coin head. Yes. righty.